to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And this week we're going to take a look at Gunstar Heroes for the Sega Genesis. But before we get into that, Jeremy, what have you been doing since our last podcast? Uh, well, you know, I was actually having fun playing Mario Maker and, until you made the worst goddamn level that's ever existed in that game. Mm. Uh, now, that's not all my fault. I recreated someone's bad level. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it, it, it was, it's a fine recreation of a level that makes me want to kill myself. Um, mm. I, I believe that information is out there if anybody would like to play that level themselves. Um, I don't recommend it <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you value your sanity. Uh, but it is out there if if you would like to play Jeremy P's masterpiece of a Mario Maker Two level. Mm. Uh, besides that, uh, I, you know, I spoke last podcast about a game that did a really great job of kind of bringing, you know, like a classic game like Symphony of the Night into the modern age without really changing much, without making you forget why you love that game so much, and also just being a great game itself with Bloodstained. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to talk about a game that maybe doesn't do that so well. Hmm. And I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but it's a game called Soul Seraph. Any, anyone heard of this one? Actually, no. No. All right. Well, this is uh, from the Rock of Ages guys, if you've ever heard of them or that yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, I like that game. It's a fun little game. That's a good game. Yeah, it is. And this has been something that caught my attention a while back. And this is apparently the um, spiritual successor to ActRaiser uh, for the Super NES. Hmm. And if anybody liked ActRaiser, that was one of my favorite Super NES games back in the day. Uh, it was just this uh, neat little action game that had some SimCity stuff in between the levels, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. We got an ActRaiser 2, but they just kind of ditched the SimCity stuff and went with the action. It wasn't as good. But 30 years later, we get Soul Seraph, and they've pretty much just, uh, you know, they've tried to remake that original game, complete with new SimCity-style levels in it. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> And, you know, you, you still have the action levels. You still play as a god with wings and a sword that attacks stuff in, in like, these side-scrolling levels. Everything's 3D now, but, you know, it's still in the same vein. And uh, it's, uh, it's just kind of clunky. Uh, it's only 15 bucks though, and, and I can still at least recommend it if you're a fan of ActRaiser and you want to see what they've done. But it's not a very good representation of that classic game. Uh, mm. it's, it's very kind of just, it doesn't feel good. And the whole, like, SimCity uh, sections, which were very simple in the original game. It was very much just build some stuff, get your population up, go to the next level. This one, they've kind of turned those sections into a tower defense game now. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of tower defense mm -hmm. in the world. So when I saw the little guys coming down the path that I'm supposed to build, like, you know, archers and stuff like that to kill them, I wasn't too happy about that. And it's also a very, very simple and easy tower defense thing it's almost just like it's it's there to to pass some time or something just to say they put that in there i don't think it's done really well and i don't think the side scrolling stuff is, is very well either uh, but it's got some great music and at least we can say we finally got some sort of almost sequel to a game that probably should have had a proper sequel years and years and years ago well, to go back to, to what you said earlier, I did finally get Bloodstained, and I am playing through it now, and it's it's really good. I mean, you're not kidding. It is uh, Symphony of the Night pretty much as, as close as you can get without just saying it's a direct sequel, uh, which is fine when you're the you know guy who made Symphony of the Night. I guess it's fair to do that. Um, uh, but uh, to talk to your Mario Maker, uh, I was on vacation for the last week. All I brought with me was the Switch. 
and so I played a lot of Mario Maker, aside from the level you're talking about, which was a, a recreation of a, a very frustrating level in a game we've covered. Uh, I, I've been trying to make actual levels. It's really, really hard to hit that difficulty where you, you've made a level that has some challenge, it has some interesting mechanic, but it doesn't make it... Uh, impossible or it isn't like baby easy because you know your own gimmicks when you make the level you can run through it really quick so my test has been I let my kids play it and if they can get even part of the way through a level uh, but not all the way through then I know it's not too easy but I also know it you know I, I may need to tweak a few things I can see what they're making mistakes with and, and if there's just a mechanic thing that I'm not thinking of that they are you know not able to grasp so I've, I've got a new level that I just put up today in fact uh, so it'll be up Obviously, when this when this posts, uh, it's on our Instagram or on our Instagram. It's on our Twitter page. If you want to find that, it's it's just a regular like get all the coins level. Um, but you know, I'm trying to make levels that are actually close to Mario levels. They're interesting, but but not too too hard. But yeah, it's really really hard not to just end up falling into the trap of making every level be Super Meat Boy. Uh, Mario doesn't work well with Super Meat Boy, <laughs> so I'm trying to avoid that. But that's I, that's all I've played. I still love it. Um, I'm not enjoying as much going through other people's levels at random. Like, they have the infinite level thing. You can just kind of go through as many levels as you have mm-hmm. lives for. The easy ones are way too easy, but then normal is way too hard. There's way too many of those levels that are, you know, you must know the gimmick or you die, and you only have, you know, three lives anyway to, to run through all these levels. So a lot of the time I'll get through one, maybe, maybe two before I run out of lives. So it, it's hard to make that gap between what what... Nintendo's deemed as easy levels, and Nintendo says are normal levels. But I, I am mm-hmm. enjoying it somewhat. And the only other thing I've really played is this past weekend was the most recent Tetris 99 event. Everything was themed like Splatoon 2. It had new music. It had Splatoon, you know, out uh, level design as far as, like, the, the border and the way that everything was kind of graphically looked. It still looked like Tetris, but all the borders and all the things that showed the other 99 levels was all Splatoon-themed. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I played a lot of Tetris 99. That, that may be the game that uh, I play the most on my Switch. I'm sure if I look at the time, it's like the <laughs> hundreds of hours playing Tetris 99. Uh, I don't know quite how that's grabbed me as hard as it is, but it totally uh, is, is the thing I keep going back to. But yeah, other than that, Mario Maker 2. Uh, a good time. I, I'll put more of my levels up on my uh, Twitter, and then you know I'll, I'll forward the good ones on to the Retrovaniacs Twitter. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I highly recommend it to anyone who in any way likes Mario. But uh, but you have to also like making the levels, or it really isn't as good as just a level <laughs> as a level uh, delivery system. It's the, the making them is the most fun. So Billy, what have you been doing since uh, since uh, our last show? Well, well, it, it, it's uh, still Stardew Valley. Uh, it's fucking game. Uh, I've been playing through that quite a bit. I, I won't go into the details of what I've been doing on there, mainly because uh, I'll, I'll come to the realization where I'm playing a game where you just do the same thing over and over again. Uh, but yeah, Mario Maker has, has finally shook me from it just a little bit. I, I've really enjoyed going in there and, and just playing through some of the levels. Uh, people are, as expected, doing some some pretty neat things on there. And, and I'm loving that that story mode, so to speak. I, it's, it's loose on story, but uh, it's, it's, it's still a lot of fun to go through. Uh, and, and there's something very satisfying about, about rebuilding that castle and, and just uh, opening up the, the little map they give you to, to roam around in. Uh, but yeah, a lot of Mario Maker. I have yet to try this Jeremy P. level. I will be doing it as soon as we wrap up uh, this recording. And, and I'll see what I think about it. Uh, I'm sure I'll be there. I'll, it'll be a lot of anguish involved. 
But that's quite all right. I mean, that's half of playing through these levels on Mario Maker. Uh, other than that, I um, have been playing through a lot of old PS1 games also. I finally broke down and I got that PlayStation Classic. I, I paid a whopping $25 for it. And uh, what do you know it mine happened to come with uh, some extra games on it. And, and I've been playing through uh, some of the older PlayStation titles that I I never got to play through. And for the most part, I'm thankful. I, I still contend that those early PlayStation games have probably aged worse than games on basically any other system. Um, I, I've tried such games as Hooters Road Trip. And I played that one for a little bit. Uh, and, and that one, I think, will probably go on the short list of games that that will never get a review. Uh, I think a large sum of money would have to change hands for that to happen. Uh, that, uh, I played through the game Loaded again. I haven't played that one in years. Uh, and I remember just loving that one as a kid. It, it's, you know, it's a, a top-down shooter. And it kind of over-the-top gore and whatnot. And I don't remember being quite such a mess uh, maybe it always was but yeah I, I mean just a little bit of playstation here and there but i mean my my gaming time when not playing this one we're reviewing was mostly spent you know getting in uh getting in a handful of mario maker levels before bed every night well i'm sure that nobody wants to hear anything else that we have to say about mario maker so let's dive right into the other game you were playing and hopefully so were jeremy and i hooters, road trip. hooters road trip for the sony playstation no uh, Gunstar Heroes for the Sega Genesis. Yeah, this is one that I, I really, I don't know how I missed this one. Uh, I, you know, I looked at the box online and all that. And for, for all intents and purposes, this is one that would have caught my eye. And I, I can't imagine my video store didn't have it. Uh, I just kind of knew about this one by name. I'd heard it mentioned, you know, here and there. Uh, but yeah, I, it was uh, always nice to sit down and, and play through a Genesis game that I, for all intents and purposes, should have played years ago. I uh, actually rented this one several times as a kid. My video store did have this one. Uh, and thankfully, no one else really ever rented it, I think, besides me. Mm. And really, the only reason I, I ever got it in the first place was it was one of the Genesis games that had two-player co-op, I noticed, on the back. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that ended up being the king of Genesis co-op games. Like, if I ever <laughs> wanted a co-op game on the Genesis, that was the one that I went to. We'll get into it. Uh, as, as for why it's such a great co-op game. But yeah, this was, uh, it, it was, uh, there were a lot of weekends where Gunstar Heroes came home uh, with me and me and my cousin just sat and played that game all weekend long. And it never disappointed. I owned a copy of Gunstar Heroes, but again, I got a lot of my Genesis stuff uh, essentially after the Genesis was was well dead. Um, mm -hmm. Not not completely out, but on the way out the door. It was after the, the Saturn had come out, after the PlayStation had come out. And I, I was working at a game store where people were trading stuff in. So I was grabbing, I mean, boxes of Genesis games mm -hmm. every day for, for pennies uh, from people who were coming in to trade <laughs> them in. So I, I 
definitely got got a copy of this, and I I had tried it, and it you know when I first played it, first of all I haven't played it co op, and I still haven't played it co op, which is a shame because I can tell it's mm. going to be a fun game co op. But you know it, when I owned it then, it was one of you know fifty new games to me. When it was new, it was you know magazine said, oh this is great. This is really the first treasure game anyone would call a treasure game. Uh, treasure is formed of Konami. Um, ex-Konami employees that left in 1992 to start their own company. And in 1993, they, at the same time, they more or less released Gunstar Heroes and McDonald's Treasureland Adventure, which I've not played, but I've actually heard it is quite good. Uh, but no one thinks of that, I think, as the, as the first real treasure game. This is the one everyone kind of points to. This is the game that came out. You could tell they were, you know, people who knew what was going on in these sort of games, especially if you knew they worked for Konami. They obviously had a hand in uh, a lot of the run-and-gun shooters that they put out. And this is, you know, a collection of really, really solid ideas done really well and also a, a good handful of kind of uh, out-there ideas you're not quite sure would have worked, and they did it anyway, which is a, a, a treasure staple. You know, all mm-hmm. the, we've covered uh, Dynamite Heady uh, maybe 20 episodes ago, and that was their second big Genesis game. Uh, they're a company that's gone on to to do a lot of uh, innovative shooters and and things in the PlayStation PlayStation Two era. They've been a little quiet as of late. I think they're still a, technically a company, uh, but they haven't put anything out since 2014. So, but this was their main first game. So everyone's talking. Oh, you know, I love Treasure. They're the best company. You got to buy this game. And I, I finally got it in like 1996, and it never grabbed me at the time. And I I think I figured out why. Uh, it's grown on me. I mean, especially while playing it for this podcast, it's now, you know, one of those, like, I'm, I'm not going to get rid of it. I have it on the 3DS so that I can play it uh, on the go and it's really, really good, but it's got a lot of, of, if you're expecting Contra, it, it's not Contra. It's, it's its own run and gun, that kind of game, but with the treasure twist, everyone has, you know, they have to have a melee attack. So people do grabs and, and the two characters you can play as are, are fundamentally different in how they play. Mm-hmm. It's not just a matter of being Lance or Bill. I mean, Red or Blue are, are two different gameplay styles. Not drastically different, but in this kind of game, it's about as different as you can get. Yeah, and, and that, at first when I looked at the screenshots, it's like, oh, this looks like an animated Contra. But like you said, it's very quick where you find out. Uh, I, I mean, Contra is a high bar, but this one does its own thing, uh, which is good. Because I, I, there won't be a lot of contra comparisons beyond just the hey, you got two guys with guns and it's a side scrolling shoot everything that moves game. Uh, I got a lot of Metal Slug vibes from it also. Uh, I, I, yes, would, I would yes. kind of put it more more in line with that uh, as far as being a, a bit more frantic and and you know just a lot of shit going on. Uh, but yeah, I was very pleased because that was a fear of mine when I first watched a couple videos and, and looked at a few screenshots. Uh, but then I popped it in and what I got was, was an experience. I, I, I don't think I've had, I've never had one of these uh, run and gun games where you can fucking just, you know, just fist and, and, and kicking people. I, I was, uh, I was very taken aback by that. And I think that's what kind of what intrigued me uh, as soon as I was assured that I was just not in for fucking metal slug 50 or, or uh, Contra eight or nine. It actually does some really cool stuff uh, to separate itself from those uh, other kind of run-and-gun shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. It definitely reminds me more of Metal Slug uh, than, than Contra, just because there's so, there's so much shit going on almost all the time. Uh, just explosions and everything else uh, nonstop. Uh, but uh, the one thing that really kind of sets it apart is whenever you start the game up and you can actually pick uh, not only which weapons you want to start the game with, 
but with what kind of style you want to play. Uh, you can mm-hmm. either be a, a run and gunner uh, as as far as like uh, you can you can fire while you're moving around, or you can pick the other one, which I think is called fixed, where you you literally just turn into like a turret. You know, anytime you fire, you can fire in any direction, but you have to stay still. You can't move when you're doing it. And uh, I mean, that sounds like the worst way to play this this kind of game. Oh no! But it's amazing how both of those play styles are balanced across these stages. It doesn't seem like there's any right way to choose or play the game because there are definitely stages where playing uh, run and gun really puts you as, at, at a detriment to where mm-hmm. if you would pick that fixed uh, option, that would have been so much easier to complete mm-hmm. the stage. So it's kind of give and take, and it's really whatever play style you enjoy playing and also what kind of weapons you enjoy playing. Yeah, it was at this point that I, I realized I did not get to go through some co-op. But I, I think that's what tipped me off to the fact that this probably, like you said, probably does rank amongst the king of co-op days back in the game. The fact that you could uh, kind of deliberate and, and decide who was going to play what style. Well, and it's it works the other direction, too. I, I started through and played as uh, Gunstar Red, who's the run-and-gun style option where you can mm-hmm. avoid fire. And there were some bosses I had some real problems with. But then on my second playthrough, when I played the fixed gun style, I I was able to destroy those specific bosses pretty easily. But then there's other parts of other levels that were very difficult for me because I was preparing to do it as the run and gun style. So it's mm-hmm. it definitely is is it's different. It is totally beatable under both circumstances. But especially in, you know for me, I played as run and gun for ninety percent of the time I played this. So then when I went back and played the second style. I had to kind of relearn uh, how to how to get through some of the things I had learned earlier and kind of breeze through. And the weapons you pick will 100%, you know, also factor into which of these two styles you want to play or at least which weapons you may want to use while you're doing those styles. So, the game starts, like you said, you get to pick which style you want to play and it gets you get to pick which weapon you want as your default starting weapon. Um, at the top of the screen, you'll see the weapon you have that you start with, and then there's another circle next to it where you can kind of get a secondary weapon. Uh, it's not like Contra. I, I hate to keep comparing it to Contra, but I think it's a good way to s- kind of show how this sets itself apart. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike Contra, you're not just s- switching back and forth between a second weapon you pick up like in the later Contras. Uh, this game is is really... The weapon system is probably the most interesting part of it, too, because not only are the four weapon types completely different from each other. Uh, so force is what you'd expect is the standard shot. It kind of looks like a machine gun. It fires in a straight line wherever you're aiming. Uh, pretty straightforward. There's lightning, which is a laser that kind of operates the same way. It's wherever you're pointing, but it seems to do more damage. Uh, but again, it's not as, it doesn't fire as fast as the the force weapon. Chaser is homing shots. Uh, it looks like a little green boomerang, and those those are as, as simple as homing shot as you can imagine. You fire out in front of you, mm-hmm. and they literally just fly at everything around the screen. Uh, but still, they don't do very much damage, so it's not god mode. You know, you can't just walk around firing that and, and destroy a lot of stuff, especially the bosses. You can see how weak those weapons are when you finally reach a boss. And then the last type is the fire weapon, which uh, is a flamethrower. It's a very, very damaging, but it's very short. Uh, but when you, you know, kind of go back and forth uh, while you're firing it, it actually trails a little bit, too. So it's not just like you had a sword of fire that immediately switches left and right. It it trails left and right. So it actually is a really, really damaging weapon that I ended up using that for, for most of the game, especially bosses. But what makes this game more interesting is not just that you get those four weapons that are all totally different and that you can switch back and forth between any two of them. But whatever two weapons you have as a third firing option, you can fire uh, kind of like a powered up version of your weapons that's based on which two you have so for example if you have a regular force 
as your main weapon, and you pick up even a second force. Instead of just switching back and forth between two of the exact same weapons, when you use both of them at the same time, you shoot larger bullets that go kind of in a big cone arc. So it does a lot more damage. It is it is spread out a little bit more, but it still is a directional fire. Uh, if mm-hmm. you do the same thing when you have, uh, for example, force and the fire gun, you shoot little balls of fire across the screen that then explode into like a, an ex- a burst attack when it hits things. So there are, you know, what... 12 different uh, combinations you can have with these, I think. Uh, my math's probably off there. But but so, there, I mean, the whole time, even my second playthrough, there were still a few of them that I probably never tried. I, I still don't know if double laser really does much more damage than single laser because it doesn't look a lot different. But still, the, the fact that you have those options, so you have up to 12 different combinations of weapons you can make, and there are plenty of weapon pickups in the levels. There's not a lot of them, and they aren't guaranteed. There's no, other than the very start of the game where you can pick what you have, uh, a lot of the levels will have one, two, or three you know, times where this bird thing flies in and drops a weapon I pick up, but it's randomized which one you get. So sometimes it's the luck of the draw of how easy certain things are, depending on what weapons you're used to. But all the weapons are good. There's not a bad weapon in this game. And that's what I like so much about like just experimenting with, with the, the different play styles and, and which guns work best with it. And like Billy said... Uh, having that co-op partner, you know, one person can can really just focus on what they want to do with a certain type of weapon while the other person can maybe stand back in that fixed uh, uh, style and just wail on everything else that's coming around. One of our favorite things to do was actually using the uh, the person that was using fixed play style would use the flamethrower with the homing weapon, which basically lets you, you know, that flamethrower you were talking about, which has a very limited range, it now shoots off and you can actually control it with your controller. Uh, and, and make it circle around and stuff like that before it goes away. So that becomes a really powerful weapon, especially when you're fighting like bosses that are maybe more, they stand still or you can't quite reach them. Uh, stuff like that is, is really cool. And, and the fact that they that you have that much, uh, that you can do that much experimentation with the weapons is, is really unheard of in a game like this. Well, and the other thing that, that I think sets us apart from a Metal Slug even, or Contra, is that you don't have one hit point like in contra and and those games you get hit once you die you respawn you keep going this game gives you one life and you have when you start the game a hundred hit points now nothing does one damage everything does a fair amount of damage uh and there are health pickups you can find as you beat mini bosses and uh sometimes in some of the crates and things you destroy you can get heart pickups that give you a little bit of life back but generally it means i don't think the enemies in this game are as it's not as messy as Metal Slug. I mean, Metal Slug is designed to see if you can die 100 times. I mean, that, that's just how that game works. And Contra, on the other hand, it's a lot more precise. You need to make sure that you know exactly where every enemy spawns in. You know, as you've played over time, exactly where you need to be. This is kind of that in-between, where there is a lot going on, and sometimes it does get a little chaotic, and you're going to take some damage, but you, you're able to take some damage. You're not going to die. It doesn't take you back to the last spawning point. You... You have 100 hit points, so a lot of the things that when it gets super chaotic only do a small amount of damage to you. It really only seems like the bosses do a significant amount of damage uh, if you're at full health that you're going to, you know, you still might take four or five hits from most of the bosses, where a lot of the, you know, in-level in enemies, you could probably take 20 hits and, and have not too much to worry about as long as you get those health pickups on the way. So I do <laughs> like that it has the health bar, but it that's one of the things when I first played it I didn't like, because I expected that that preciseness of a Contra, and it, it's not quite how this is set up. Uh, I, in turn, oh boy, I was extremely, extremely thankful uh, that, yeah, you can take some damage on this, and and I gotta say on this game that I, I it shows too, because, I mean, 
I didn't find much trouble kind of getting through the stages themselves. Yeah, some of the bosses were were troublesome, and you know, even some of the mini bosses had the, they had their moments. But as far as getting through the kind of the regular lineup of enemies you face in the stage, I you know I I can't say it was easy. I, you don't want to toss that word out there, but definitely. Definitely less challenging than a than a metal slug in a contra. And yeah, I mean it, it is very generous, not just for the life, but uh, they, it was kind of the opposite. Uh, you, you take a hit and and you swear you're outside the hitbox, or you know that that shouldn't have connected. There were times where, by all intents and purposes, I should have probably taken damage, but but I didn't. And I I don't know if that's just a, a hit detection thing or that's just the way it is. If it's a, a little bit of mercy thrown in there, uh, but I don't know how I feel about it. That kind of that kind of level. I mean, I was thankful at first, but uh, I, I guess with a, a game like this, you do want a little bit of struggle. And as far as the stages, I, I just it kind of isn't there in this one. Especially, I mean, you get the the right combination of guns, and you can you can mow through these stages. One other kind of cool thing with the health the health pickups is that this game doesn't actually limit you to a top number. Uh, you know, I think you start off with like 100 health. Yes. And uh, any health that you get, if that goes over 100, your health will continue to go over 100. It will add yeah. up. So that's one thing, uh, another thing, where it may seem like you're taking more hits, but it may just seem maybe that you're, you have more health than, than what, you're, you know, what you're used to having at 100. You may have like 200 or something. Um, but yeah, that, I, I, think the, I think you're right with the hitboxes. Like it really seems like the, your hitbox is smaller than your actual character, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of bosses that you can actually like. It seems like you should take a hit because you're go, kind of going through their appendage or something to just like get around them, and you're not taking a hit from it. But it looks, but you're it's touching. You should take a hit, and that was always one thing that that I had to just get used to. It's it's not. Uh, you're right. It's not that super exact contra thing where if a bullet touches the pixel. Uh, that you know you know you're just dead that's it uh this one it's a little loose and i think that's just by design i think it just makes it a little bit more i don't know kind of fun just more run and gun Hmm. uh so i'm not constantly just like oh god there's a bullet coming right at me sometimes that bullet will go through you know clip through my hair and i'm good to go or or my arm or something like that uh it's it's just the way the game's designed and uh you just kind of got to get used to it yeah, and I and, and it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's it's nice to uh, it was a nice change from the the constant anxiety of Metal Slug. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And there's also, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that there's a melee attack. So it's not just running and shooting. If if you're right mm-hmm. next to most enemies and you hit your attack button, uh, you know, let off it from your rapid fire and then hit it again, uh, you'll grab the enemy right in front of you. You can then throw them at people, which actually does damage to them, or sometimes you can, you know, at the very least, it gets things out of your way so they don't hurt you. Um, the other option you have with both characters, and, and they're slightly different, with red, if you jump in the air and jump again, they do like this body slam looking thing. And if you're blue and you do it, they do a jump kick. Uh, or a diving kick if you push down while you do it. But it's another like it's another melee attack, and it's a little bit sloppy. Like when you use it a lot of the time, especially when I was in trouble, I would just start using that slam attack, and it seemed to make me invincible for a moment while I did it. Uh, a lot of the time it would knock stuff out of my way. Same with throwing people. If I was ever surrounded by standard enemies on bosses, it's not quite as useful, although you can throw a significant number of these bosses. Um, 
I, I would just start throwing enemies just to get them out of the way. And and so if you had an immediate hitbox that took damage when you touched people, you wouldn't be able to use these attacks. They wouldn't be nearly as as, as helpful. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's definitely it, it's. I keep saying messy, and, and that sounds like a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. It's just the way this game fits together. It it's not, it it is not require you know a completely precise play style. Uh, it's it's a little more messy, more like a, a brawler in that aspect. And and I think that works really well for this. It makes it fun. But that's just one of the things that it took me a while to learn. It took me a while to to understand that. And and at first, that was one of the things that kind of turned me off from this game. Even though I heard how amazing it is, and I thought the level design what I did play was really, really cool, uh, which is an, a, a kind of a treasure thing now, but at the time, you know, nobody knew that, what, what treasure things would be. I will tell you what, what is messy, though, and that is when you get in into co-op with somebody and those uh, the throwing moves, because then you can throw each other. Oh, And no. that just kind of happens if you are close to each other. So there are many times where, you, you know, you're just running by each other because it's so chaotic. There's so much stuff on screen that it's hard to keep track of each other. And if no. they get close, then you just... Take the other person and throw oh, them. Man. It's rescue rangers all over again. Yeah, I mean, it's not too far from that, except there's way too many things that are just flying across the screen now, like bullets, missiles, uh, bottomless pits. There's just so much shit going on that you can just throw your, your partner off the you know off a pit, and they're dead. And well, I think I mentioned in the uh, bonus show, uh, Super Puzzle Fighter, if you want to play a game that may, will make people hate you forever, uh, if you're not paying attention in Gunstar Heroes, uh, same thing will happen. But on the on the other side of things, throwing your partner into a into an enemy or a boss does an insane amount of damage. Mm. So, like if you're at a boss or something, and you're just uh, I, I, like that first boss and kind of the first stage that plant boss that just kind of comes up and it's you know waving mm-hmm. around, like you can just throw your partner into that thing up up in the air and hit it a few times and it's dead. Like it just does so much damage. But at the same time. They're also taking damage a lot of times. So it, it's one of those things like you can either do a ton of damage or just try to play it safe and, and hope to God you just don't throw your, your co-op partner off a cliff. Well, and just one more thing on throwing people off cliffs or in general, the, the pits in this game. Uh, they aren't instant kills, which is which is delightful. They normally do about 20 damage, it looks like. Uh, and then you kind of jump out of the screen kind of forward or back. You can control it a little bit to get back on the, the right track. So it, thankfully, in a game where you only have one life, it doesn't instant kill you. Uh, you do have unlimited continues, which is nice. And there are checkpoints in most of the levels. It's not marked with a flag or anything. But if you die in a level, you take the continue option, you will start, you know, unless you haven't even made it to a mini boss, probably after that first mini boss, uh, which is nice. So it, it is not as, like we said, it's, it's a pretty forgiving setup, but it definitely has some challenges, especially in the bosses, which we'll get to uh, when we start talking about the levels. So the story for this game, just to, before we get into the levels themselves, is uh, pretty basic. Uh, you're the Gunstar family. Uh, years and years ago, there was some magical robot, Gold and Silver, that was supposed to come and destroy the world. You and your family stopped it. Uh, and now, of course, uh, Colonel Red, who's the new bad guy, has decided that he's going to, to 
find the mystical gems that will awaken gold and silver, and he has the gems because he's kidnapped one of your family members or, or somehow mind-controlled them, and they stole the gems to, to go get it. So now you're supposed to go and fight all of his generals and get, save your, your brother, I believe it is, and, and hopefully stop him from, uh, from bringing back gold and silver. So that, that's the story of the game. Uh, it really doesn't matter for much, but it's, it's there. Uh, but what makes it interesting is that that kind of leads you to the first set of, the, of levels where you get to pick, as we mentioned earlier, one of four levels. Uh, to start the game, you can do them in any four levels you want. Uh, let me try that again. You can do any, these four levels in any order you feel like. Uh, after you beat every level, uh, we mentioned you have 100 hit points, after you beat one level, you start forever the next level with 120 hit points. And then if you beat two levels, you have 140 hit points as your base. So every time you continue or start a new level, that base 100 will go up until after you get to the seventh level. I believe it starts every time at 220. So the, the hit points, it's not 100%. It's it goes up like Jeremy said past a hundred, but then it, the the base that you start at will also increase as you go on. So that's how you get a little bit stronger. Uh, the four levels uh, that you can pick from the very beginning are the ancient ruins, the underground mine, which is a minecart level, but it is not as bad as I thought when I saw the words minecart level, a flying battleship level, and the strange fortress, which is a board game level. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit i didn't see that one coming at all speaking of didn't see him coming i didn't see m bison being the one of the villains of this game either uh i mean that he's got the damn red he's got the hat and all yeah that that's the main uh, bad guy that's the that's the 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 evil mastermind behind this game you're taking down shadowloo in this one but yeah i i always love it when they can fucking throw a thing out and let you kind of pick your your stage ahead of time even having never played this game and not knowing what any of the stages were at the time uh, it, it's 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 just a nice option to have and with this one I, I don't feel like it's 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 not like a mega man i didn't feel like uh there's a clear advantage to do this one first then go on to this one uh this is more like a ducktales uh, jump in, pick your level, play through. Uh, if you're having, especially good if you're having trouble with one, you can go back. I would recommend everyone immediately run to that damn board game stage. I I couldn't get over that. And that's that one is the longest stage in the entire game, uh, especially if you're playing with two players. Uh, if you're playing with one, you can skip a lot. Uh, but if you're mm. playing with two, the the person that's kind of behind will generally land on every single thing you didn't pick or didn't get uh, put on. Yeah. So you have to play every single one of those. But that's an awesome level, and, and you're right. Like uh, I would say maybe the first level, the forest level, is kind of the, the easiest, more introductory uh, mm-hmm. level. But then you would automatically think that the second level, which is the minecart level, would be the, you know, the next easiest. And you would be wrong, because that is the hardest level in the entire game, uh, especially depending on what difficulty you pick. Yeah. And it was it was on that board game level. Uh, and we'll talk about it more as we go that I learned that they fucking. I think in the boardroom that day when it came to the mini bosses on here, if you had an idea, it was going in the game. I don't think they were turning down anything at that time. Uh, I'm just I, I can't talk enough about how pleased I was just with the, the sheer variety. Whether you're fighting a fucking tree or a damn giant bubble there's a lot of shit in this game and uh, my hat's off to them i think when when the happy face boss rolled up yes was when yes. i was just like they just don't give a shit on this anymore we need some bosses and no ideas declined just just write it down your sheet of paper fold it up put it in the box it's going in the game i think my all-time favorite is is just the little mini guy 
the tiny little guy that you fight is it's a boss <laughs> and he's just this tiny little sprite and it's, it's a boss it's just ridiculous well that's all on the board game level which i think is definitely the most unique level because mm-hmm. it, because each each i guess panel you walk on the board game goes takes you to a little action screen and some of those are are as goofy as you can imagine but they're short but it still adds up there there's probably what 18 to 20 squares on that map so uh, yeah. if you're having to hit every one of them, that would take some time. Uh, yeah, the first the first map that you have the option to go to is the Ancient Ruins, and that probably is the most straightforward. It's a it's a jungle looking area. You're running, you know, as expected. There's just guys jumping on the jumping out of the screen everywhere. You're firing at you know everything you possibly can. The the mini bosses aren't incredibly bizarre. I mean, that's what the level with that that giant plant that is a little weird, but it's also extremely simple. Uh, you mm-hmm. get the first mini bosses. Basically, a plant grows and starts shooting things down from the sky, including these eggs that turn to caterpillars. Uh, but but generally, if you just fire at the top of this flower, you can see their life countdown. Bosses and mini-bosses in this game, when you get to them, there will be a little counter in the center of the screen that shows their health. Uh, that's how you can kind of gauge how strong these weapons really mm-hmm. are. Most of the regular enemies in the levels, I mean, some take multiple hits, but generally you can blast through them pretty easily with any of the weapons. Uh, bosses where you can really tell, like, oh, I have the regular homing shot. I'm doing, you know, 10 points per bullet and it's going to take all day this boss has 4,000 hit points where the flamethrower you're just watching by the hundreds their health fly down but that means you're right next to them like you don't you don't have any way to dodge stuff you're right there there's a lot of time they have melee attacks that are hitting you so it, it's a that's where it really matters which weapons you have and that's what makes this game difficult for me at least made this game difficult was making sure I had the right weapons for each boss like the first the first level really I, I think it didn't matter which weapons I had I was able to get to that first level but the minecart level, the boss at that, at the end, is a multi-stage boss. It is a lot of dodging. It does a lot of damage when it hits you. And if I didn't have a good weapon, I was not getting through it. I had to mm-hmm. make sure I had the, the luck of the draw on which weapons to pull. Uh, and that was a tough one. I got through it, but that was probably the, the toughest fight in the game for me was that boss. Because it was three or four phases, and all of them were tough. And I should probably mention that boss as well. Uh, as, as the rest of the game changes a, a- good amount if you what depending on what difficulty you select and if you select expert difficulty that boss has has seven different forms so you literally have a boss rush basically at the end of that stage like it has seven distinct different forms that you have to go through at the end of that stage and uh you know at, at the end of when a boss comes up like the text comes up to kind of tell you what what the uh what weapon it uses or whatever uh, if you're on expert level and it's all seven of those, you're just sitting through that thing for like forever until you actually get to fight the boss because you have to do you have to go through seven fucking bosses to beat that level. Well, and and it it's a level with minecarts, which thankfully is not. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of jumping. It's not one of those deals where the minecarts, you know, the, the cart runs out and you have to make sure you're, you're jumping at the right time or you die instantly or you lose your twenty health. There's none of that. It actually feels more like any of the the the. I think Super Contra has it, or Contra 3 has it. Uh, if not, definitely the PlayStation 2 Contra is where you have motorcycles, and you're going through levels where it's it's an extension of your character. When you jump, the cart follows you. Uh, I do like that you can, when you jump twice, it actually kind of does a gravity thing where it'll go to the top of the screen and ride on the rails on the top, and then back down to the bottom if you hit double jump again. I, I thought that was really cool, and it made some of the, some of the level a little more... Uh, enjoyable than I would expect from a minecart. So that was kind of nice. But yeah, that boss, even on on normal, I think, had four forms. And they were all tough. There wasn't one that was just cake. They were all pretty difficult. Had a lot of dodging, especially using that mechanic where you jump from one 
one rail to the other, either a top to bottom or side to side, depending what what boss fight section you're in. Um, the flying battleship level was not a difficult level, except that there was lots of parts where you could fall. But again, as long as you were paying attention, that wasn't too big of a deal. The boss on that was this like bodybuilder-looking guy uh, who has attacks mm-hmm. where he either slams things into the ground or above you, and he's on a plane. I had a lot of problems with that boss, and I think that's because I was playing run and gun. I think when I when I went back with fixed, I was able to blow him away. But with run and gun, I felt like I was barely getting any shots on him because you have to constantly run away from him because he's charging at you or diving down or up to wherever you are. Uh, when I was using when I, when I was using fixed, I could actually get far enough away to fire a lot more before he got to me. Where with run and gun, it's like yeah, if he's not right next to me, I'm not hitting him. Uh, that's that's really neat to me. I mean that that they that you have those two distinct play styles. And going back to the cart stage, uh, playing as fixed makes that stage so much easier, uh, especially the bosses at the end. I mean, if you're doing run and gun, then you're really just kind of set to that. You don't get to change between stages. Uh, you have to start the game over before you can change how the, the play style. So you are stuck to whatever you pick, regardless of uh, you know, what you may want to change to later that might work better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other, other level we didn't mention, well, we mentioned it, but the, the other level is that board game level. Uh, by far the most interesting level in the game because there are, you know, after the introduction section of that level, which is a a standard break into a uh, looks like a big warehouse not break into but <laughs> blast your way into a warehouse then you're you're brought up with a board game and you roll a big die and you go that number of spaces and some of them will give you power ups and most of them will give you attacks uh, i think a couple of them actually make you go back some spaces or back to the start uh, and then when you get to the end you fight the boss there who's not hard at all but it's that the idea that each of those rooms some of them are boss fights some of them are uh, you have a time limit to get to the end uh, there there was one that was like I went into it, and it's like, oh, you have you have to destroy this boss, and I killed him in like two seconds, and I wasn't even quite sure what happened. But it didn't matter, because I knew I had 16 more spaces to go, and there aren't a lot of health pickups in that one. That's the only reason that level was difficult for me, was that I kept running out of life from mistakes I was making, and I got to the boss who I thought was pretty straightforward, standard shooter boss, and I just could not have enough health by the time I got to him. So I had to start again, and at that point, the checkpoint for that level is the start of the board game section. So you got to do all those panels again, if you make a mistake somewhere and don't have enough health for the boss. Special fuck you goes out to the go back to start squa- uh, space that is right next to the boss. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. the next to last spot is start back at the beginning, which is a huge F you. <laughs> so once you beat these four levels, then you get to go to the last levels. Much like any game where you pick your levels, there's always going to be a couple more levels. In this case, it's three more. Uh, not a lot notable on these levels. They aren't bad. They're just, they're just good action levels. Uh, and then unfortunately... Uh, there is the last level is essentially a boss rush of every boss you've already fought. Uh, thankfully, that second level or the, the Minecraft level boss is not to the same level at all in this one. Uh, when you get to him in this, he's not seven forms of doom, but still very, very difficult. The only checkpoint is after you get through all the bosses you've already beaten, plus Colonel Red, then you get a, a checkpoint for the actual final boss of the game. But that's one that I, I mean, I spent uh, of all my playtime, I easily spent almost half my time on this boss rush i was determined to do it you know just as if i had the genesis in front of me even though the the 3ds does have some save state ability i don't think this game needs it but that boss rush especially because you you know you're either running fixed or or running gun and you have to have the right weapons to get through some of these bosses man i was having huge problems with when i got to that big bodybuilder guy who's his name is orange when i got to him again i had a lot of problems with him and and black who's the boss of the board game section on the board game time i had no problems with him at all i was i was able to destroy him pretty quickly once i had more than like 10 life when i got to him 
he was extremely difficult in here because he has an attack. I still don't know how you're supposed to dodge. I have no idea. I just kept getting hit by it over and over again. Is this that uh, the where the jewel where it gathers up the energy and then it, it kind of it, it's the beam? Is that what you're yeah, having the beam trouble? It comes three times across the screen. It spins around slowly. I just could not figure out how to stop it. And I, I was able to with the right weapons do enough damage to kind of you know out damage him before he damaged me to death. But that you, that can't be the right way to do it. No, I, I don't know either. I, I just perpetually just took the hit. I did look online, and some uh, someone did it. Just kind of, kind of like a glitch almost. Uh, they just had to time, and the animation for like a, the body slam, uh, and it just he, he kind of phased through the beam. Um, I don't, I don't think it's how it's meant to be done. There's probably some obvious way. Uh, uh, the thing to be said, uh, it, I really enjoyed kind of the the, the layout of this boss rush um because you're not it's not taking up the entire screen there there's other activity um on the screen at the time of this attack uh the bosses are, are kind of gathered around a monitor and, and are viewing the battle as it goes on and, and i thought that was uh, just an awesome touch to see them react as you're taking on the other bosses and you know when you defeat one the other one's like oh shit here i go i'm going in now and uh, just to kind of see the you know they leave that screen and then they show up on yours and, and just to see that kind of dwindle down i thought that was a that was a great little touch that's a great effect thrown in to, to the way they laid out the this boss rush and that was actually my favorite part of the boss yes. rush by far. I, I don't like boss rushes anyway. Uh, I do appreciate that it wasn't just the same bosses over. I mean, it's the same characters, but it's not their bosses that from the earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. It's all mixed up. It's basically completely different. Uh, but yeah, seeing that little, you know, they're watching a screen and, and seeing your progress and just seeing all the characters and their interactions with each other as it goes down uh, was so creative. I, I love that stuff for, for any game to just throw something in like that. Um, also, uh, I just wanted to mention real quick, the side scrolling shooter level that you get to do yes. uh, before this, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. thought that was really pretty well done. And, uh, I, I, I hate to keep harping on co-op, but this is really what I know this game for more than anything. Uh, if you're playing co-op, one person actually controls the ship and the other person controls where it shoots. And mm. I thought that was a really cool way to do co-op on that stage instead of just doing the obvious thing of putting two ships on there. But it's a really yeah. well-done shooter stage. Well, in, in single-player, it is definitely a... At least, again, I played run-and-gun when I got that far. So it's like you had to aim where you want to fire, and then you hold on the fire button, and your ship will fly around and fire in that same direction. So it's it's one of those, like, if you had dual sticks or two players, that would make that ship level much, much better. It wasn't bad, but it was just a little awkward to play. Um, that said, it was cool it was in there. I thought it was still... And, I mean, I'm, I'm not good at shooters, but I'm good enough that I didn't have a lot of problems there um, and, and really... You know, I, I got through that on my first shot, but it was interesting. I, I liked that it was there. Um, after you get through those, the the bosses, characters you've already seen, and you get to the real final last boss of the game, uh, I, I like this last boss fight. One, because it's a checkpoint right there, so you can start at him every time. Uh, and, and it gives you some weapons to choose from at the beginning, so you're not just getting screwed with a standard shot uh, mm-hmm. over and over again to finish it off. And it kind of... it. it it's one of those bosses where it takes things you've learned and brings it back at you. It also takes the weapons you've been using and uses them against you. Uh, I mean, I really like the boss. He's a good final boss. Uh, all around, I have to say, this is a game I cannot believe 
that I did not really get into until 2019. I mean, it's a good game. I like the company that put this game out. I had a copy of this before, and for some reason, it just never grabbed me. It was always one of those, I'll get to it later games. Uh, Mm. But but this, I I think, again, and I I bring it up every time it comes up about a Genesis game, but I I think this is one where I'm clearly hurt by being the guy with the turbo graphics and not a Genesis, because I, (laughs) I missed this completely until it was... You know, so much later in the cycle of the system that uh, I just didn't have time to get to it. But if I would have had a Genesis and this would have been out, I would have had, especially with co-op being the thing it is uh, in this game. You know, on the 3DS, that's the minus for playing this on on a, on that system is you can't play with two other people. I don't even think it networks, so it misses something. It would be like if I played River City Ransom today and only played by myself. Yeah, it's still fun, but you're missing a lot if you're not playing two players. Yeah, co-op is... I, I really like this game a lot, single-player, but I absolutely love this game, co-op. It is one of my all-time favorite co-op games, and it is it is one of the very few games I would throw out there that actually has co-op where I would say co-op makes this game. It, mm. it turns it into almost a completely different kind of game than just running through it by yourself. You're not just adding another player. You're really changing how that game is played, and I think that's what the best kind of co-op games do. And and I do have to say I am <laughs> very surprised with this one. I, this has got to be one of the more enjoyable Genesis games I've played, uh, not just in a long time, but but you know maybe ever. I, it's an outstanding game, and I always hear it. You know, it's it's, it's brought up in, in in high regard, and and I can see why. Uh, but like Jeremy said, I do feel like I you know I can play through to bring them up again, a Contra, or when we did Metal Slug, I can play through those by myself and, and feel like, you know, that's that's a good enough experience. But I, I am intrigued into going into and maybe playing through this one co-op because I, 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 I just feel like that's just going to be just a just a batshit time going through there uh, with with more guns a-blazing. Uh, yeah, I think that may be the way to play this one. That being said, still an enjoyable run. Uh, with one player. Um, I, I, I do have a question to pose to you guys, though. Uh, when you saw General Gray, who came to mind first, Magneto or Shredder? I'll go with Magneto. Mm. I didn't see either, but uh, it, no. it's because I was on the 3DS screen. I don't know. So this game did get a sequel many, many years later. Uh, so this came out in 1993, and in 2005 there was a Game Boy Advance. I'm not even truly a sequel, kind of a total reimagination of the game. Uh, Gunstar Superheroes follows the same story. It is supposed to be based several hundreds or thousands of years in the future, but it's the same kind of levels. They just redid everything. It looks nicer. Uh, it, the, the new attacks takes a little more advantage of current hardware and new ideas, but it's it's not bad, but it's just not the same as this. Uh, I don't think it's quite as good. And, and you know, that said, it was for the Game Boy. It was never made for a, a television console, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it matters uh, that, it, that it's not quite as good. Uh, it, and that's it? And that's it? That, uh, that's, that's the it? only two. That's the only sequel that's come out for this. Holy uh, Treasure shit. doesn't do a lot of doesn't do a lot of sequels. They made a sequel to this yeah. and a sequel to Guardian Heroes, and that's it. 
That's a shame. Uh, but this is thankfully available for almost everything. Uh, like I said, I'm playing. I played through this time on the 3DS 3D remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually not a remake. It's literally the exact same game, but they added the the 3D. And there's some extra game options you can turn on. I didn't use any of those. Uh, there's a mode you can have where you have all four weapons and you can cycle through them at will, as opposed to just having two. Uh, there's a level selection where you can have more health by default. I, I didn't use any of that for this playthrough. I did it exactly as the Genesis game would have been. But it's also, I believe, on uh, the new Genesis mini that's coming out the classic and it's been on several other collections of games uh that are from the genesis so it, there's a good chance that something you own right now if it does not have gunstar heroes on it it probably will at some point uh, and, and we highly recommend it. so next week in honor of the full announcement of the TurboGrafx slash PC Engine Mini coming out. Uh, 50 games on them. They're only available, apparently, if you buy them from Amazon. They're not coming out till March. Uh, but we're going to cover one of the games on that console, which means we return to the TurboGrafx-16 for our next full episode. Uh, and also, sure. I have to push our next mini episode, uh, which we'll post next week, is going to be very similar to this show. So this was about a run-and-gun where everything went really well. But what about a run-and-gun where nothing goes well at all? We're going to look at Amagon for the Nintendo, which is one of my all-time least favorite games, and I've got a lot of thoughts on why that is, (laughs) and we'll get into those for the mini-episode. But our next full episode will be on a TurboGrafx-16 game that will be on the TurboGrafx Mini. Uh, But I believe we have some listener questions we need to answer before we end this week's show. Uh, Yes, we do. Uh, But before we begin, you know, guys, I, I don't know if you're like me or not. If you're getting older... And, and you're kind of thinking about things uh, coming down the road. It's coming faster than what you think. And uh, thinking about maybe uh, what you're doing for your retirement, maybe you like your 401k, uh, you know, what kind of life insurance you got going on. Uh, and, and if you're like me, you're also thinking about which contact form is, is right for me at this mm. age. And uh, the, the one that's really, you know, made sense for me and my lifestyle is the one at Retrovania.net. If you scroll to the bottom of that website, there is a contact form there. You can fill it out and it'll give you peace of mind because you will know that we have received your question and or suggestion or whatever the hell you want to send us. And we'll probably read it on here. So by all means, secure your your, your elder years by going to Retrovania.net, filling out that contact form and asking us something. And, and we'll try to make things right for you. I'm going to call that- I mean, that, that's even better than a 401k for people, knowing not that they have their their well-being handled in their elder years, but that we can answer questions on our favorite Garbage Pail Kids. So I, you should ask those questions. We will answer them in in order at the end of our episodes. Yeah, just throw your 401k away on video games. We'll answer your questions about them. Uh, but anyway, our first question comes in from Mark, and he writes in about mini retro consoles. Uh, And he asks, uh, in the past few years, there have been a number of mini or classic edition retro gaming consoles released, such as the NES, Super NES, Sega Genesis, Atari, PS1, and soon-to-be TurboGrafx-16. Are there any other retro consoles you think need a classic edition released, or any retro consoles that shouldn't do a classic edition release? My answer, and I'll be honest, I think my answer covers both of those. (laughs) I would... I, I, they need to put that fucking Sega CD out for me. Put it out there. I, I, I that's just a console that I I don't know if you can call it a console. It's just an add-on. But I I have so many fond memories tied to that thing, and I don't know how many games you're gonna be able to put on it. There there weren't many 
strong games for that thing. Uh, but I'd be so happy to see that damn thing, to sit down and be able to play Slam City with Scottie Pippen without having to swap those discs out. The play through Night Trap again. The play, even fucking, you know, Sewer Shark would be on it, and I would even play Sewer Shark again. That's how excited I would be to see this thing. Uh, so the one I think needs it the most is the Sega CD. And the one I think probably does not need it is also the Sega CD because I am realistic and I do know that fucking Ground Zero Texas would also be on it. And uh, that's a game that, that needs to fade as far away as it can. My realistic answer is I'd love to see a Game Boy Mini. Uh, like just literally the original Game Boy with a backlit screen preloaded with 20 to 30 games. I would buy that day one, uh, even though I guarantee I would only really play two or three of those games. Still, I want it. Uh, unrealistically, I would love nothing more than a fully, like all the library, fully dumped out Virtual Boy. Uh, that will never occur. And it doesn't even act like it ever happened. But I would buy that also day one. But I might be the only one but I would be super excited for that with every game that was released in the U.S., which I think is 12 games, so it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be a big library. But I, really I mean, that, that fucking Wario game on there was pretty strong. I, I had one for a short period, and it did hurt my eyes, but goddamn if I don't want it now, and I'm so sad I got rid of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I would take that. I think the only systems that don't need a, a mini, realistically, um, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of forgotten systems that you know i mean i'd like a vectrex but i'm sure we don't need one but like the cdi i don't think we need a mini cdi i don't think we need a mini jaguar because that would really just be what three games anyone wants to play and a bunch that no one wants to play uh th those those systems could do without and i honestly don't think we i mean i would love to see a saturn mini that had some of the the better games on the console but but that's still at least to me yeah, it's retro and it's old, but you can still find most of that stuff in, in, a, in a fairly easy, uh, expensive for the system. But after that, you can get most of the stuff pretty easily. I think, I think these older systems are more interesting, even though you can get a million Nintendo games. The idea just to have that tiny Nintendo console on its own was worth it to me. But, but yeah, I guess for me, it's those systems that the, the Jaguar the CDI, I, I can pass on that. Even the 3DO, there are a handful of good games, but most of those were PC games anyway. Hmm. And see, I, I kind of was thinking uh, Saturn, a mini Saturn myself. But then I'll, what I was thinking of was mostly Capcom games because those were the games I loved most on the Saturn. Uh, but then I remember that they're they're actually bringing that out kind of with, I don't know if you guys have seen this, with this giant honking Capcom arcade stick yes. that has a bunch, <laughs> bunch of games built in. And when I say Capcom arcade stick, I'm not just saying it's an arcade stick. It's literally Capcom the name it's it's an arcade an arcade stick built around the name capcom yeah it's yeah. amazing ridiculous and the games they announced for it so far don't really seem i mean it's got alien versus predator the arcade game which i mean that's almost kind of cool but also at the same time this thing i think was announced for like two hundred dollars or something it's 250 i think it's 250 yeah like it's it's insane i mean it's supposed to be a really good arcade stick but at the same time it's ugly as hell <laughs> it's just it's just a Capcom logo molded into a, a goddamn stick. It's just ridiculous. Uh, as far as one that I don't think needs made, but I really want to be made, uh, is the 3DO. Um, no one would ever want it except me, you know. But I, I still I could play Way of the Warrior 
any way, any, any time I wanted to, hmm. uh, and, and along with uh, several other terrible 3DO games, like um, where the Killing Time. Uh, uh, there's, there's so many really bad games, more bad games on that system that I absolutely love than I think any other system. And I think that would definitely be the one that no one needs except me. It, it's your TurboGrafx-16. The 3D is, is your right, Yes. Unfortunately, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Unlike the actual TurboGrafx that we're getting with like 50 games on it. Son of a bitch. All right. Next up, we're going with uh, Keeve is here. is uh, wanting to talk about Rolling Thunder. Uh, he says, uh, you guys should do an episode or short bit on Rolling Thunder. My kid's got a Namco Museum game, and it's on there. And it's astoundingly difficult. Or maybe I'm just bad at it. I would love to hear your take. Also, there's a Rolling Thunder 2, which I haven't tried. Cheers, Keith. Yeah, Rolling Thunder is one that I I would be up for giving a shot sometime, because I have to say I am familiar with it. Uh, I have rented it a time or two. Remember, <laughs> this is not in, in any way, shape, or form a uh, an early preview of what I would have to say about it. But I, I played it a time or two. I can't remember a thing from it. Um, I, I just remember playing it a couple times, and I remember the local gas station had the arcade version of it, and and it looked like it played about the same. I played it a couple times, just you know, just wasting time while my my parents were pumping gas outside or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 one that seems all right. It seems like it has a uh, you know several, I guess, kind of like early versions of cutscenes in it and whatnot. So I mean, I I'd be all for it. I think I have a copy of it on Nintendo. Uh, the Nintendo version of Rolling Thunder is one of the Tengen unlicensed games. So I have I have that. And I don't know if you've ever played Project Viper that Capcom put out, but it's exactly the same game, <laughs> but but with uh, <laughs> with a different name on it. I would I would cover those games. They're they're fun. Um, I think Rolling Thunder Two was on the Genesis, along with I think they were both arcade games. Uh, but yeah, we could definitely put that on the list of games we'd like to to talk about at some point. That's a that's a series that kind of fell away, but for a while was pretty popular. And see, I've never actually played the original Rolling Thunder, but Rolling Thunder 2 is one of my all-time favorite Genesis games. We've actually got a review of it on uh, our YouTube channel on Retrovania. Mm. Uh, so uh, if you want to go over there and check out that, if you haven't played it, uh, it's a you know, it's not a super thorough review, but I think you get the idea of, of what it is. But I'd be down for trying out Rolling Thunder 1. Uh, I never, never played it. All right, and our last uh, question here comes from Gerald with a J, and uh, he wants to ask us about game halls says, uh, not sure if it's been answered before, but do any of you have any memorable game hauls? Like finding a bunch of games super cheap or even oh. a pricing error that you took advantage of to get a bunch of those sweet, sweet video games. Game halls, H-A-U-L-S. I think like like an arcade, a game hall. It's like, yeah, I've, I've been in many game halls. <laughs> game <laughs> halls, yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the L's don't come through on the microphone so well. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, and I'm always fat. This is uh, in in time with a video you just put up on YouTube of uh, shopping around for some video games. And and yeah, it's it's always fascinating me what you can find out there. And and a lot of times it's people that kind of overestimate what they have and slap just a ridiculous price on it. Uh, I remember like at the flea market that god rest its soul apparently burned on down i discovered a couple weeks ago uh where i was was just kind of browsing nintendo games and i saw a a duck hunt you know super mario brothers 
cartridge and uh and it had like a, a $30 price tag and the reasoning was well it's got two games on it and and yeah but it's it's always great when the tables have turned and I don't know if I brought this one up on the podcast if I have it it was so long ago uh, I was at my the very same flea market this was the Dreamcast hall and mind you this the Dreamcast wasn't out long uh long story short uh, someone left their elderly mother or grandmother or perhaps even great grandmother to watch it uh i picked up uh some sega cd games that were one dollar each and they're also dreamcast games i asked how much and she said uh sega cd games one dollar and i held it up and she proceeded to uh get a little snippy with me and say look it says sega and it's on a cd it's a sega cd game uh, they're very well then and i walked away with uh Pretty much my entire library of Dreamcast games, uh, some of which I, I was still seeing in the store, still at their retail price, but I, I snagged each for a dollar. Uh, another time, and I don't know if I've spoken this one or not, I don't believe I have, uh, was several years ago. Uh, I have I've gotten a lot of damn PS2s. Out of all the systems, it seems to be the one I've had to replace the most, and I just did not too long ago. But this is the one I had before that. And uh, I, I, you know, went through Craigslist for this one. That's always exciting. And it's always a little, I'd like a little danger when it comes to my video game buying. And so I, I pulled up there and, and we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And it's a, it's a bigger house. Uh, and uh, this kid comes out, uh, you know, and I, I, not the best with kids. So I'm already a little apprehensive to begin with. But this kid, fucking god damn it uh, he's almost snooty with me and he's got the he's got the ps2 console he's got a, a handful of games and we had agreed upon the price on the craigslist that i get there and he's wanting to go up on he, he's wanting to go up and you know i said well we've worked out this price which i think was maybe 60 uh, is is a, a assortment of games uh and he was wanting to go a firm hundred and his reasoning was well my brother asked for 60 my brother's not here. I'm here. I'm asking for a hundred. And at this point, I, I'm I'm apprehensive. I'm I'm a bit ready to leave. I don't want to go to jail on this day. Uh, and then I noticed. Uh, I look at the PS2. I give it a look, and I I, I explained to. Her, I said, "Well, this thing is missing a piece out of it. Uh, this this thing is not. Have you tried this thing lately?" He said, "No. It's been you know hadn't used this thing in years." Uh, and I said, "Well, it's it's missing this big piece out of the back." I'm, I'm going to have to go home and fix this thing. It's, 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 it's worthless. Not only needless to say, I've turned around like I was getting ready to leave, and not only did I get it down to that 60, I got it further down. I walked away paying only $30. And what that dumb fuck didn't know, it was just missing the expansion bay out of the back of it. Completely unnecessary piece. System works just fine without it. Uh, it, it sat there without that expansion bay the entire time. Uh, it, it, it was a dirty tactic, but I, I felt justified at the time. <laughs> Billy Holiday swindling children and, and old women. Hey, hey, he drew he drew first blood on that one. Or, or if you watch Trailer Park Boys, he drew first piss. True, yeah. I, I can't argue there. I don't have a lot of luck with flea markets or um, you know actual stores getting a good deal. Uh, there, I mean, I bought things there, but I, I don't feel like I make. I've, I've gotten a great deal when yard sales were a thing. Uh, 
that people were getting rid of their old games, and, and we're talking, I mean, years and years ago, like when the the Nintendo first came out and everyone was selling their Atari carts for a quarter a pop, I easily bought boxes and boxes of those. That, that's probably the best uh, honest uh, deal I've gotten like that. Everything else I've gotten has been the result of working at a game store or working at a toy store. Uh, my favorite was I worked at a KB toy store in a mall for one Christmas. I worked, I just did night shift coming in after the store was closed, restocking shelves. Uh, I don't quite know why I did that, but I, I uh, we were cleaning out this stock room, and there was a Sega Master System, and this is when the PlayStation had just come out, so 1995, 96. There was a Sega Master System in a box full of games that were kind of back in the corner, and I was like, what What are these? I and mean, they were still sealed. I mean, in the box, the Sega Master System 2, uh, the, the second model that had like the door that opened on the top. And uh, they were like, I don't know. No one knows what these are for. So the manager eventually, like, you know, looked around and, and scanned them. And everything, the system was $20, and all the games were $0.99 cents a piece. So I was like, I'll buy all of that right now. I would, <laughs> And these are sealed <laughs> Sega Master System games. I probably walked out there with 10 games, including, um, while it's not a good game, Strider for that and Golden Axe <laughs> Warrior. Uh, well, Strider and Golden Axe Warrior, uh, along with the Sonic the Hedgehog and some baseball game, are the last four U.S. release Sega Master System games. So if you can actually get them with the U.S. UPC symbol and stuff on there, they're worth a lot more than if you got the um, the European ones that will play on the, the Master System. Well, I didn't know any of that at the time. I just thought it was cool I had these Master System games. When I was selling stuff later, I, that's when I figured these things out when someone had asked me, like, hey, can you check on the back of this box and see if there's a UPC sticker and blah, blah. And I did, and I was like, whoa, these games I bought for 99 cents, I just sold for like $350. Good for me. So all my hauls have been for, for I don't want to say being in the right place. I mean, I worked at the stores. I didn't steal these things. But uh, if I wouldn't have been working in those places, there's no chance I would have ever found those things. Uh, I'm kind of like you. I never really had any sort of luck at flea markets or anything like that. Uh, I, I think really about the only game haul I've ever had was uh, uh, back when is in the 360 days. And that was back when Blockbuster started closing stores. Oh, that was a time. Yeah. That was that, a, time, a time to be alive. Yes. And if you lived back then and, and you went to Blockbuster, you know, if, if one was closing, they were clearancing out their video games uh, fairly substantially. And at that time, uh, me and my friend, we, we had a coupon for like 50% off uh, a a blockbuster purchase, a movie. It was supposed to be just a movie. But if you read it and you rang it up, it was 50% off your total purchase. Did they honor it even with the going out well, business sale? we went to two places. The first place, we went and we grabbed a whole bunch of games that were like 75% off. And then we went up to the, you know, and then and gave him the coupon and the manager, it, it came down to the manager turning us away. So we were like, all right, fair enough. But now, the- uh, they started at like 10% and they worked their way up. At 75%, you were literally, you were scooping up handfuls of shit at that point. Yes. Yeah, this was like ridiculous. And, and this was one of those stores that like closed in the in about like a month. So mm-hmm. it went from the 10% to the 75% really quickly because mm-hmm. we were watching back then. It was a way to get some super, super cheap games. Um, but we went to the second store and we got a bunch of fucking games. They actually had more games than the first one. Walked up there with probably about 20 games each and handed them that, that coupon. And the woman behind the counter didn't even ask about it. She just scanned it through, scanned it through. We got probably, I, I think I maybe got around 
$400 worth of fairly new games if you just went and bought them brand new for about $25. I tell you. And you wonder why it went out of business. Yeah. I, I mean, they're going out of business anyway. So I was like, why not take advantage of this? And it wasn't anything that was, uh, you know, it, it was literally a coupon. And it was just 50% off your total purchase, basically. But it was meant for one movie. But yeah, that was probably the biggest the biggest game haul that I ever got. Unfortunately, not too many of them were very good games. But, you know, whenever you got the chance and there's just tons of games you can grab up for super cheap, you know, may as well. I bet you had Mercenaries too in that haul, didn't you? Man, I wish. That would have been, mm. been worth it by <laughs> itself. It's got 16 copies of The Rise of the Robots. thankfully next episode we will not be covering rise of the robots but we will be covering a turbografx 16 game that is going to be on the mini but until then please check us out on retrovania.net there's links to our youtube uh like we just mentioned there's a a new video we just put up Uh, jeremy went to a bunch of different places looking for old games seeing what he could find uh it shows you what he actually ended up picking up at the end actually pretty interesting video i hope we do a lot more of those assuming there are more more interesting stores as well and uh, other than that, please, if you think you want extra episodes, every off week we do put up a bonus show to our Patreon supporters, so please check us out on Patreon. There will be a link in the comments to this podcast, and otherwise, we will see you in two weeks. <laughs>